0: All right, Colossians chapter 3 this morning, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off in the text uh, last week and look at a few things this morning. Um, Colossians 3, if you would turn your attention to verse 12, we'll read down through verse 17 and then we'll have a word of prayer and look at what uh, the passage has for us this morning. Verse twelve starts, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So last week we we looked at a few things that we need to mortify or to put off. Uh, For those of you that remember last week and... Um, <clears throat> I remember growing up, my Sunday school teacher sometimes would ask that, and sometimes my mind would be blank. I don't know what we talked about last week. Um, hopefully that's not you folks this morning. Uh, but we should put some things off or mortify some things. And uh, we, we're not going to look at that whole list again, but those things ought not be named among us. Uh, but regrettably they are sometimes. Uh, what a shame, right? Um, we have everything we need in Christ to be victorious and, and to live A life of victory, and uh, but sometimes those things aren't uh, necessarily the case in our lives. But here this morning, that it excuse me, verse twelve says, "Put on." The idea there is to be clothed. Uh, We're to put these things on, and we're going to look at it a little bit different. List this morning, Uh, a contrasting list, really. I guess you could say, Um, uh, but how we ought to dress as Christians, and what what things ought to be present in our lives, and and I would like to think that this morning that we can identify better with this list today than last week's list. Um, as we grow in Christ, that ought to be true for sure. Uh, as we uh, continue to uh, become more like Christ day by day, as we walk with Him and we learn of Him, and, and uh, as we continue in the Word, uh, those things that were in our past, that, that they are there. They were there. Um, we walked in them, the Word of God tells us. Uh, but we ought to be striving in, in like it's talked about last week we ought to set our affection uh, and seek those things are above, which are above and, and seeking Christ uh, seeking to be more like christ and 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 really I want to remind you that it's not by accident uh, these things won't happen accidentally uh, it will take effort and things we will need god's holy spirit uh, to to guide and to help us and and to empower us, but we also will need to make uh, some effort on our own uh, to, to really decide to do these things. Um, it, it's just not something that happens. But, but first, I want to remind you uh, that we are the elect of God. Um, I, I say I want to remind you, but it's in this passage. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And so we are chosen not because of some genealogy or some merit on our part, uh, I think most of us, if not all of us this morning, understand that, uh, given the demographic of folks that have been faithful to church and, and, and those things. But we all, we understand Ephesians 2, eight that it's by his grace, uh, not of anything that we've done, uh, but he's chosen us. John 15, 18 says this, "Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit, that your fruit uh, should remain. And, uh, but... Being chosen by God should cause us to want to get rid of those sinful desires and those sinful things that, are, that we did walk in. Uh, that we should have a desire to be holy. Uh, a desire to be like Christ. Um, <clears throat> be understanding, and, and we, we know what Christ has done for us and that, that He is all that we need, and, and that ought to drive us understanding that we're the elect and, and the holy, the beloved. Uh, holy, I'm going to remind you today, is separated from the world and dedicated to God in a in, in very simple form, right? Uh, we're going to separate ourselves from the things of the world. And, and in the context here, you may say separate ourselves from the carnal man, our flesh, uh, and those things that would be present in, in the natural man, uh, but dedicated unto God. And, and uh, listen, the bottom line is we are to be different. Um, when we go to work, we're going to look different and act different, uh, and respond differently than the people that we work with that are unsaved, that are not believers. At least we ought to be. Um, And and it does take work. Sometimes we work with some clowns out there, you know what I mean? Uh, There's some difficult people in the world. Um, That's just the honest truth, and and they can be challenging to us. Uh, But we need to to focus and and work on these things. Uh, We are beloved. Um, He didn't begin to love us when we cleaned up our act. That's not when he began to love us. Um, uh, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and so Christ died for us and, and we can be reconciled to God through Christ, right? And it is at that point we begin to clean ourselves up, if you will. We begin to become more like Christ. And uh, so to dress spiritual, uh, uh, to, to have these things, don't forget uh, who we have in Christ or what we have in Christ. Um, we need those things. And But this morning, I, I found a, uh, a guy, he talks about this being the spiritual closet of things that we need to put on. And so we're going to talk about looking into our spiritual closet this morning. And Paul enumerates uh, at least eight pieces of, of this spiritual clothing, if you will, that we need to put on. First uh, 12, uh, the first thing there, it says bowels of mercies. Uh, the idea here is compassion. Um, bowels of mercies. And, and uh, <clears throat> really, when we have bowels of mercies or when we have compassion, um, I don't know of a better way to be like Christ. When you think about that. Matthew 9.36 says this. He gives this example here. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Just the compassion, uh, the bowels of mercy uh, that God had toward us and and that we ought to have toward others. Uh, These bowels of mercy. Compassion to have the bowels or to yearn. Uh, Feel sympathy, pity. uh, Have to be moved with compassion. If we are like Christ and clothed with bowels of mercies, Listen, this morning, we cannot be indifferent to the human need, hurt, or their suffering, their need of Christ, the things that they face. And, and um, when you look at the life of Christ, His ministry on earth, He met much more than just the spiritual needs of people that He came across, feeding people and, and healing people. And, and sometimes I think we lose sight of that. Uh, in church. And, and listen, uh, when I say we, maybe I'm speaking to myself more than others, but, but sometimes I could care less about the plight of other people, the condition of other people physically. They just need to get saved. They need to get right with God. That could be my attitude sometimes. But we need to be careful about that because they have physical needs and things. And, and oftentimes if I would have more compassion or some bowels of mercies, maybe I could meet that physical need and it would give me an opportunity to minister them spiritually. Um, I know that's true in my own life. And that ought to be a characteristic or something that we put on as Christians. Uh, We ought to be merciful. We ought to be compassionate. Um, It goes on and it says kindness, uh, which is likely a result of compassion. And I found some interesting stuff about this word. Kindness is love in action, I guess, if you will. Um, it involves having a sweet disposition, being thoughtful, and performing kind acts. Not my strong suit, I'll be honest. Um, I, I just, it's not, it, part of it I think might be some of the military, uh, but I just, maybe it's part of being uh, masculine. I don't know what it is, but I don't tend to just think about being kind. And listen, this morning, man, this is where we could do better with our, in our marriages, uh, being kind to our wives and being thoughtful and thinking about those things. I know I've learned that over the years. Um, and, and when I do that, it's amazing how receptive Cindy is to those things. And and, and just the, the fun that we can have and, the, and just our relationship is enriched just by me not being a jerk. Um, and uh, so uh, it, it's helpful. Um, but being thoughtful. Um, we, Cindy and I had a conversation this week. I don't know why I always bring up my own self, but... Um, we were talking about different things and and kind of along this lines about husband and wife and meeting each other's needs. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, I go to work, I provide, I do all these things. Those are the things that I'm doing. Um, And those things are important and I need to continue to do those things and provide for those things. But sometimes she wants a little affection in a different way than just me going to work and, and bringing home the bacon Bacon's delicious. She likes it, too. But, uh, but listen, this morning, uh, we need to be kind, in, in and in, not just in our marriages. That's across the board, being kind and thoughtful, uh, in, uh, especially of those in the house of the Lord, right, and, and, and treating each other with kindness. But this word, one of the words used to define kindness, I, I thought was an interesting usefulness. I thought that was interesting. To act toward one in a given manner... To be kind is to see the need and to do what you can to help meet the need, whether it's in word or action. To be kind. Uh, not just, sometimes we look and we recognize something, but we we don't do anything about it. It's worthless. Not, uh, But we need to uh, be useful in it, and, and, and it moves us to action, and maybe provide something that's of use to meet that need for the person that we're realizing that needs some kindness to be showed to them. I don't know if that made any sense. But um, <clears throat> Next we see humbleness of mind. Uh, boy, I remember days, I didn't think this existed in independent Baptist churches. But, um, but listen, this is having a realistic view of ourselves. Just realistic and honest look at ourselves. And I guarantee you, if you look at Christ and you look at yourself, you can only but be humbled. If you're honest about it. Uh, and, and his example uh, and how he uh, demonstrated these things. And uh, lowliness, it is the opposite of being full of arrogance and pride. Uh, the opposite. Philippians 2 3. Philippians is, this passage is one of my favorite passages, Philippians chapter 2. And, and uh, I think it's probably because I have so much work to do in these areas. But I want to remind you of chapter, or verse 3 in chapter 2. Uh, it gives us, I think we can define this here, what we're looking at. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Uh, we would be doing good just to do that. Uh, just to think more highly of every single other person in this room this morning than we do ourselves. Uh, that's not our nature, though we have to purpose to do so. We have to decide. We have to choose to do that. Uh, we have to work at that uh, because our nature, and in, in, in we're going to go back and we're going to be selfish and arrogant and prideful about uh, the things that we uh, do. And uh, it goes on here, meekness, which uh, can be uh, defined as gentleness, uh, I think it would be an easy way to define it, but um, <clears throat> not behaving rudely but being considerate of others. As someone has said, uh, I found this interesting, rudeness is just a weak person's imitation of strength. Oftentimes that's true. Meekness as being is being as God's gentleman or gentlewoman, if it, uh, whichever applies to you. And there's only two, by the way. That's a side note. Um, <clears throat> it is not weakness, but power under control. As I'm, I know you guys have heard them or heard people define it that way. Um, it is a loving willingness to make concessions, and uh, that doesn't. Sometimes it sounds like being a compromiser, but I think Jesus demonstrates this—the uh, supreme example of meekness uh, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he is being arrested, uh, and he's obviously going to be facing the crucifixion. Uh, Peter draws his sword out, and Jesus tells him to put it away. Uh, Matthew twenty-six fifty-three says this: "Thinkest thou uh, that I cannot now pray?" To my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. When you think of meekness, power under control, what what Christ could have accomplished at that moment, and he chose not to. Um, a legion is—I I found some things online that it's roughly three to six thousand uh, Roman soldiers. Uh, I don't know exactly if, if there is a, a firm number on that. Um, I don't even know how many is in a squadron in the Air Force, so. Uh, how can I go back and look at the Roman history and figure out what they had in the legion? But, um, uh, but three to 6,000 soldiers is what they say. and uh, So Jesus here, he could have easily called 72,000 angels if he can do the maths, right? Um, I'm not very good at math, but I'm in the engineer squadron, but I do not have an engineering degree. Um, but 72,000 angels he could have called, right? And, and we know angels are very powerful, any of which one could probably destroy uh, all those people there, d- d- definitely. And and uh, but, <clears throat> what an example of meekness and humbleness and lowliness that the Creator would submit Himself to that type of torture and torment. Uh, and we tend to get fired up about small things sometimes. Oh, they're not going to disrespect me. Airmen these days, I, I say airmen, all young people, uh, they'd be disrespecting me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, but but listen, that's not an example that we see of our Savior. He was spit upon and ridiculed. Uh, and he was just humble and low and meek about it the entire time. And uh, we ought to take note of that and... And, uh, and strive that that would be present in our lives as Christians, that we'd be more like Christ in that area. And, uh, and, and finally, we see in this, this list here, it says long-suffering. And in the New Testament, uh, I found a couple things. The, the words translated long-suffering and patience, there were two words for those. Uh, one kind of means <clears throat> having patience with things or circumstances, and the other, having patience with people. Right? I can be patient with circumstances sometimes, but people can be challenging for me. And, and uh but the word translated long long suffering in this passage, I think if you look at it, it the verses to follow are, are in the context of dealing with people. Uh people that sometimes frustrate us or irritate us. Um maybe you guys never come across people like that. I don't know. Um <clears throat> but it is self-restraint in the face of insult, irritation, or provocation. Sometimes people do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And maybe we know it, and so we feel justified in responding in an incorrect manner because, well, it's justified. They were doing it intentionally. Uh, that, I don't think that's right. Um, uh, Matthew 28, or excuse me, 27 verses 28 through 31. And again, I think Christ is a great example of this, uh, dealing with people. And they stripped him and put on him a robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, They took the robe off from him and put off his raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. What an example of long-suffering and putting up with people in the worst of circumstances and just being patient and dealing with it. And and, uh, being spiritually dressed shows up in ways uh, that we treat people. Uh, Oftentimes it begins in our homes. I think our families are probably the ones that know us the best. You know, they see how we respond in those difficult, and challenging times more than anyone else. And, and uh, but, long suffering requires forbearing one another. There in verse thirteen, uh, long suffering is is a pretty challenging word. It means to suffer long. Uh, we don't like that. I know I don't. I don't like to suffer for a long time. It's it's pretty miserable. But it goes on. It says forbearing one another or making allowances for their faults. It overlooks some of their offenses of others. We're forbearing. Proverbs 19.11, I think, provides some light to this. The the discretion of a man deferred his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Forbearing one another. You know, um, using the husband and wife example, since I stepped into those deep waters already this morning, how often do we focus on something so intently and it creates contention and strife and an argument in our marriage because we just won't let this one little thing go? We're just going to hold on to that thing. And uh, women are really good at that. But um, <laughs> I saw a meme the other day, or a friend of mine posted something on Facebook about you know women... Uh, it takes them a long time to forget. And he said, no, they never forget. You just have to get them upset and then ask them again, and it, it explodes. But, uh, but, but listen, we need to be careful about that. And it's not just ladies. Uh, I, you know, we, us men can hold on to some things. And, but we need to be forbearing and forgiving. Um, <clears throat> and is the glory to pass over a transgression. If we have truly been clothed spiritually... The next phrase will be true in our lives. In verse 13, forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any. Are you a forgiving person? I think being able to forgive is a sign of being spiritual. Uh, I know that's what I've experienced in my walk with the Lord. Is sometimes when I am not where I ought to be with the Lord and and I'm not displaying any of these characteristics like I ought to be, I tend to be a little less forgiving. Because maybe I'm lifted up in pride, or maybe I have my own things that I'm not dealing with, and I tend to take it out on other people, and I'm unwilling to forgive them. But but a spiritual person is a forgiving person. Uh, Forgiving one. If you have a quarrel, right? We get in those things sometimes. Uh, Uh, We ought to be willing to forgive insults, hurts, hurt feelings, uh, offenses, and and more. Um, Listen, it's just simply not holding a grudge. Uh, Just allowing things to go. Uh, To make sure we do not misunderstand, I think the Apostle Paul goes on and he says in, in the latter part of verse 13, Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Do you remember what Christ forgave you of? We can go back to that list earlier in this chapter, and every one of us would be guilty of those things. Those offenses, those transgressions. And Christ forgave us. Who are we to hold a grudge and to be unwilling to forgive somebody for an offense? Well, you don't know how they treated me. You don't know what they said. Look at the example we have in Christ. The worst thing that you've ever done, Christ forgave you. He's willing to forgive you if you haven't done it. How unforgiving can we be at times? Again, over small things. Dinner wasn't cooked right. Easy man. You want to cook dinner? I know I don't. But um, Cindy made one unedible meal ever. I'm not kidding. You can ask her. She'll say she made a couple others throughout the years that were just not very good, but we ate them. But we were in Mississippi. We were brand new married, and she made these pork pocket things. I don't know. I'm calling them things because I don't know what they were. They did not. We both took a bite of that and said. Let's go get something else. Um, uh, I forgave her. (laughs) Listen, this morning, what I'm telling you is, remember what Christ did for you. When we look at this list of of being meek and kind and humble and long-suffering and forbearing... If we get in a quarrel, we got this argument. It, look, it says, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We have no right to not forgive somebody for something that they've done. We've been forgiven of so much. We have no right to hold the, the smallest thing, whether it's with our spouse or anyone else. Um, what an example we have in Christ. <clears throat> We've been forgiven and we're obligated to be Christ-like forgivers. Christ-like forgivers. Aren't you thankful he didn't hold anything against you? And that thing is, as far as the east is from the west, it's buried in the deepest sea, you ain't got to worry about it anymore. Uh, that can be a challenge for us to display or demonstrate with others in our lives. Uh, but that's what the Word of God tells us we ought to do. And I think if we understand what Christ did for us, it makes it a little easier to forgive other people. Um, You know, we have no right. Um, Christ gave up it all uh, to make a way for us, and and we can't hold on to anything. Uh, None of the clothing mentioned so far uh, will stay on without something to hold them together, uh, so to speak. Metaphorically, I guess you'd say. So, Paul goes on in verse 14, it says, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity is, is kind of like a belt, if you will, that holds together all the other articles that we're talking about this morning, all these other characteristics or attributes that ought to be present in our life. Without charity, our spiritual pants will fall down. Um, I don't know if you've ever had your pants fall down in front of somebody, it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, growing up, I remember a time, there was a period of time in my sister's life, I don't know what was wrong with her mind or her brain. And she's a girl, so she's just kind of messed up anyway. But she loved de-pantsing people. It was like, that's what she would do. She would just go around, boop, you'd be in the living room, family's over, Thanksgiving time, and you want to choke that girl and uh, just tear her apart. And, and, uh, but listen, that's embarrassing. Uh, nobody wants to get caught with their pants down. Uh, but listen if we don 't have charity, if we don 't have love, uh, we can be guilty of those things ourselves or or we can have failures spiritually speaking ourselves and and uh, without charity, our spiritual pants might fall down uh, that can be embarrassing, maybe sometimes more than the physical embarrassment of having our pants fall down. you know you lose uh, your temper you you lash out at something and and uh, I know I've been there, and it's like, what was I doing that's embarrassing where you treat somebody in a certain way or or you respond in a in a circumstance and, and it's just unchristlike and it's embarrassing to go back to those people and apologize to them and say that was not right and uh, we need to have charity. Uh, it kind of binds it together uh, <clears throat> First Peter four eight says this. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Uh, we ought to have a love for one another, a charity. Put on charity every day so your spiritual clothes don't fall off. Uh, you don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to embarrass our church. You don't want to embarrass the Lord. Uh, we ought to love one another. We ought to love the lost. We ought to care for the lost. And, and uh, it kind of binds all of the, these attributes together because I think sometimes if we... Uh, have charity, or we're loving like we ought to love. These things become easier. It's easier to forgive when you love someone. Uh, I'm very forgiving of my kids. And the only explanation is I, I can come up with is I love them. Because uh, kids do stupid stuff, right? You want to choke them? Uh, you know, it's good things at times, man. It was, it's a good thing they're alive today. It was of the Lord that I didn't do something. Uh, But uh, I loved them. And so uh, the way we dress affects our demeanor and our behavior. You know that? I know that's true uh, physically speaking. Um, If I wear my service dress to work, I don't go on job sites and fix roofs. I'm definitely not getting in the manhole. It it affects how we conduct ourselves based on the way we're dressed. Typically, I don't take this and go work in the garage on the car. We were doing some uh, work in the, in the garage yesterday, and Caleb wrecked his truck, and so we were taking all the cool stuff off of it, um, and we were switching some wheels and tires and different things around and, and doing a, several different things in the garage and did a little woodworking and stuff, and, and uh, I wasn't wearing this. Uh, it wasn't the proper attire, and so, listen, the way we dress affects our demeanor and our behavior. Spiritually as well. If you're clothed in this list of carnal things, uh, your conduct will be much different than if you're clothed in these spiritual things. And uh, Paul writes, consequently, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Uh, The word translated here, rule, is an athletic term that means to umpire or to govern. Uh, The peace of God should make the call in our decision-making. Uh, in our decision-making, the peace of God ought to rule. Uh, When we make the decision God wants, you know, have you ever had that deep sense of abiding peace in your heart when you make that decision that you know God wants you to make? Um, I I know that's a a comforting feeling. Not even all Christians play by the rules, though. Right? We we ought ought to have this peace ruling in us. Uh, At times, we'll be hurt. Uh, We can get offended, insulted. Well, listen, sometimes it's by a fellow believer. Another Christian might do that to us. And and when this happens, Christ, our spiritual umpire, if you will, will always repeat to us what He said three times to His disciples after His resurrection. He's going to re- keep reminding us of these things. And in John chapter 20, verses 19, 21, and 26, He says, Peace be unto you. And a peace ought to rule in our hearts. When we are clothed spiritually... We were being pre-peace everywhere we go. Uh, I I think, uh, I don't remember where I heard it. It was somewhat recently, you know, and a spiritual person makes big things small and, you know, an unspiritual person makes small things a big thing. Uh, That's kind of the opposite of this attitude. We we ought to be bringing peace and peace ought to be ruling. And and, uh, when conflicts arise at home, there are no doubt they're no doubtly going to rise at the church, work, school. Uh, Jesus is there to whisper, peace be unto you. And, and just to take a moment and think about that. Romans 12 18 reminds us this. If, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to live at peace when you're forgiving and forbearing and suffering long, and you're kind and you're living out these things that ought to be present in our lives as Christians, it generates peace. And uh, in the flesh, that's not necessarily the case. Um, Verse 15, I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, And it it goes on, it says, and be ye thankful. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but uh, I believe thankfulness is a sign of spiritualness. Um, A genuine thankfulness, I will say. Uh, when we let Christ serve as the umpire in our decisions, when that peace is ruling and, and, uh, in, in everything, we will be thankful. Five times in this short epistle here, in, in the four chapters of, uh, of Colossians, five times uh, we see that we ought to be expressing thankfulness. We won't take the time to look at all of them, but uh, chapter 1 and verse 12 Chapter two, verse seven. Chapter three, and verse fifteen. Obviously, we see that today. Um, then it's down in verse seventeen again, and then finally in chapter four and verse two. It, it's there the fifth time. And uh, to remain spiritually dressed, uh, verse sixteen goes on. It says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom." And uh, these are songs. I know we sing them. Uh, these, these these verses here and. <clears throat> Uh, this refers to the words of Christ not only in the Gospels, but the entire Bible, the entire Word of God. And, and so we ought to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And uh, we are to continually be teaching and admonishing one another. Uh, teaching is imparting the truth of God's Word. Admonishing is cautioning or rebuking with love. And uh, just sharing those things out of love with people. Sometimes people do need rebuked. Um, but Christ does it lovingly with us. Why can't we do it uh, the same way? Uh, as a result of, of being spiritual, uh, we are gonna we will teach and praise in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so I'm not good at music at all, but I, I did look these words up. The word translated psalm denotes, uh, I found this interesting, striking or twitching with fingers, kind of like with a stringed instrument. Um, I had to go in a couple different depths with the the strongest concordance on that one uh, but uh, it's kind of has the idea that it refers to to a song accompanied by musical instruments in psalms and in hymns might possibly have been sung, sung a cappella uh, we see an example of them singing a hymn at the lord's supper uh, Matthew 26:30 and when they had sung a hymn they went out into the mount of olives i don't know if there was any music there it, it appears that it was just a cappella that jesus had sung with the disciples there before they went out after After that that Lord's Supper. And uh, spiritual songs emphasize a a personal testimony, I think, Uh, a lot of times. uh, uh, The the word translated songs, Ode, is the word which we get the word Ode, a poem set to music. Um, Spiritual songs like Amazing Grace emphasize what God has done for us. And uh, all music should be designed to be teaching and admonishing all of it. Uh, Worship music is not just touchy-feely, but it should teach us the Word of God. I know for me, those are my favorite songs when the Word of God is immersed in there. My absolute favorite is Sunday nights when we sing Scripture scripture songs. I love it. When I was in the high school, uh, the Christian school, uh, we always sing Scripture songs. And um, the Goodmans, Jeannie Goodman, she put a lot of scripture songs to music, I think when she was at Bible college years ago. And, and so she taught us a lot of new, we had a few at the school there. And when Jeannie Goodman and Ron came after they graduated high school to work in the school, they, they taught us a lot more of those uh, scripture songs put to music. And those are my favorite. And, uh, but we ought to be teaching and admonishing one another in psalm and hymns. And listen, uh, Brother Long's better at that than me, as I'm not any good at it. And uh, so, not to say that he's not very good. That's kind of sound weird. If I'm really bad, at any, you know, he's pretty good at it. But uh, um, verse seventeen, we got to close out here. And whatsoever you do, in the word of, or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Listen, everything that we say and do should be a representative of the Lord. Um, through our lives, we should always be giving thanks. We should be thankful for the awesome privilege of being the representative of Christ on earth. And uh, dressing spiritually is simply putting on Christ. I'll leave you with this verse, Romans 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Uh, we can make provision if we, if we choose to. Um, uh, we must mortify the members of our carnal nature and clothe ourselves in spiritual things. It is imperative that we put on Christ and make no provision. That means we make no forethought, no no care, no supply, nothing for the flesh. Uh, We have to put on Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would have these attributes evident in our life. I pray, Lord, that we as Christians would be a great example to the world around us, Lord, and that we would be a light and salt in this earth. I pray that you would do a work through our church, And through the people in this Sunday school class. And now we pray your blessing on the morning service. We ask that you do work in each and every heart, that you would save the lost, Lord, and that you would challenge believers to walk closer to Christ. Lord, we need you this morning. We pray that you'd meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen.